Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Patriot, Dale Wilkes, coming to you from Columbia, South Carolina, in the United States of America, and you're watching Stu's Wrestling Podcast. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. Welcome to episode 52 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast, and my guest today is none other than Joel Redmond, and you would have remembered him as Oliver Gray in NXT. Joel was an inaugural NXT Tag Team Champion with Neville, Pac, as we know him today, so I get to speak to him about that at length, and his experiences in NXT, the good and the bad of it, the pressure, but it was all good as well, so you get a good balanced argument about his time there. Joel has been on the UK scene for many, many years, doing the camps with All Star and the Brian Dixon. He's been booked many, many times for that, and that's quite the work schedule. In 2019, he finally made it to All Japan Pro Wrestling, and he had bookings going into this year, pre-COVID, so we'd get to talk about that too. So, without further ado, this is episode 52 with Joel Redman, aka Oliver Gray, when he was in WWE. Enjoy. Right, it's my honour and privilege to have on Stu's Wrestling Podcast today, Mr. Joel Redman, and you would also have known him in WWE, in NXT specifically, as Oliver Gray. How's it going, Joel? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, pretty good. Nice to be back in the, in the gym properly and training and stuff. So, yeah, all good. Cool. How's lockdown been for you generally? It's been okay. I mean, I, I work in a gym normally, so I just took some kit into the shed and uh, <clears throat> did some home workouts. Um, it's allowed me to spend some more time with my fiance and things, which has been really nice, and uh, to sort of be a bit more normal for a while before the manic schedule resumed at some point. Uh, and yes, yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been good to rest the body a bit as well. Cool. That's cool, man. Right. I'm going to get into when did you first start watching pro wrestling? So my first uh, pro wrestling, I didn't watch it as a kid on TV. We, I lived on a very uh, remote farm in Devon. So we didn't have any Sky TV and the, the TV signal was terrible. Uh, and I was always outside. I'm a farm boy. So I was out in the woods building little forts or, you know, messing around with my dad on the farm. So I never watched any wrestling. Uh, my friends were wrestling fans at school. 
and they dragged me along to a show in Exeter, uh, the Wrestling Alliance from Scott Conway shows. So my first experience was watching it live. Um, and I remember Chad Collier being there. I had a signed picture from Chad Collier. Uh, and I remember seeing James Mason on the show. Um, and it, that was my first introduction to professional wrestling. And I'd done judo as a kid, so I'd already done a lot of grappling. So I, I was interested in that kind of stuff anyway. But, you know, even with James, I mean, James even now, to this day, still captivates me with his performances. And I'm sure at a young age, I just watched James and thought this is what I want to do. And then from there, I started watching American wrestling. Who did you gravitate to, Joel? Which guy stood out for you once you got into it, watching it? Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit was just, uh, for me, he was just the best. You know, Obviously, he's tarnished by what happens uh, later in his life. But from a young age, just for me, watching him. I think maybe that's from the judo background. Because I'd, I'd come from a, you know, yeah. a legit a legit sort of grappling form someone like Benoit and Guerrero and Malenko and Fit Finley Regal these kind of wrestlers to me just, it looked real I couldn't tell it wasn't real some of them wrestlers you could just sort of tell it was a bit pantomime but with those guys it was like this is this is real but Kurt Angle as well big Kurt Angle fan I started watching wrestling which, which guys did you watch you felt maybe could have been propelled higher at the card but maybe didn't get there when you're watching around that time? Yeah, well, Dean Malenka, I think, would be a great example. Uh, maybe he lacked the personality, but then maybe he didn't. You know, his character was the Iceman, and, and that was his gimmick, you know? Like, just because it wasn't loud and he didn't raise his eyebrows doesn't mean he wasn't charismatic. And technically, he's just unreal. You know, watching all his matches in WCW with Benoit and just incredible stuff that he could do. So him, maybe, uh, I don't know who else. So put on the spot there. Any of those sort of wrestlers, I mean, even people like Fit Finley, I think Finley could have been a world champion. Same with Regal, I think Regal could be a world champion. It never were, you know. But I don't know. Just to progress onto that, did any any events on the calendar stick out for you? In terms of American wrestling? Yeah, yeah. And maybe even if you want to go a bit broader, um, you know, European, UK. I mean, as a kid, I only sort of watched American wrestling. So I, yeah. I guess... Things like Ben White winning the belt or winning the Rumble obviously would have stood out to me, being a fan of his. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. I think one of my first shows I ever watched was the Rumble um, Triple H Cactus Jack. I think that was one of the first matches. So that, you know, that's on the hardcore match they did at the Rumble in 2000. So that was obviously stood out, I guess. So I remember that. That's cool. That's cool. Right, going to scoot forward a bit more now. When did training begin for you? Hmm. I think I was 15 or something and I heard about a school opening up in Exeter. I mean, we were already sort of backyarding in my friend's hay barn and some hay bales and messing around on mattresses. And then I heard about a professional school opening up and then the guy pulled out last minute. So I was 15. I contacted the company and said, uh, you know, can I sort of manage the school, I guess? And uh, I sort of brought down wrestlers to train us. So I brought down uh, Phil Powers or Andy Simmons and these kind of guys would come down and help train us in Exeter and teach us how to wrestle. And that's where I met Phil Powers, where I went away on the holiday camp circuit when I was 16. Um, not wrestling, just putting the ring up and I'd referee the matches or carry the bags around and stuff and just learn little bits from them before the shows. And then I started training with a UK kid who was trained by Shawn Michaels. And we trained in Portsmouth for a while and then, then Mark Sloan. And then and I've always had different trainers, but it's just, I never went to one school. I didn't go to a school and learn from somebody. I kind of had lots of different people inputting advice, which I think it's actually turned out really well because there's loads of different styles that yeah. I was able to be moulded by at an early age. 
That's cool, man. That's cool. It's cool that you were like doing little bits and pieces, you know, along alongside the alongside the training. When was your first match then? I think it was 15 years ago in January or 16 years ago, and that was in Exeter um, against a guy called Sammy Ray who had a mask on, Professor Aikida. And uh, I'm, I was really out of shape, kid. I was a real fat kid. And it, it, I mean, like a red top with a belly hanging out and doesn't look good at all, and the match was dreadful, but you got to start somewhere, you know? And it was, I was way not ready to be doing shows at that time, but yeah, it was good, which promotions were you working for? Obviously, it was all it was obviously UK based at that point. Which which places yeah. were you bouncing around, getting learning the so learning that, the craft? Sorry, that company was a uh, Revolution British Wrestling, um, who aren't around anymore. They're a London based company, so for them a little bit. And then yeah, on the holiday camp circuit, which was the Haven Holidays at the time, Phil Powers ran um, the sort of southern team for Haven Holidays. So I used to do a lot of those shows at an early age to learn. Um, he took me to a few All-Star shows maybe a year later. So I started meeting Brian. I wasn't full-time then with All-Star. That's only been the last sort of six years. But I went there and just uh, was, did a few jobs for them. And, you know, I realised I was out of my depth because they're the best shows around. So you go there and you realise how good those guys are. And then the UK kid had a company called Varsity Pro Wrestling. It's a BPW. So I wrestled there and then eventually went on to FWA Academy. And that's when it all sort of started to... Uh, to skyrocket, I guess, and moving into different IPWs and FWA when it restarted and all that kind of stuff, and got a bit more of an internet presence then. Who was who was in um, FWA with you when you were training at the time? Which which guys were in in and around with you at that point? Well, this would have been sort of just after the James Ties and the Birchalls. It was sort of the next class. So I mean, obviously Mark Haskins was there, um, which is where we sort of first met each other. Um, there were people that were there at the time. I'm sure there's probably a lot of really good ones, but I can't remember. I mean, people like uh, Pat was around at the Estabay Academy then doing shows. He'd come down and do the shows with us. Uh, he was sort of fairly new at the time. I can't really think of anybody else. I don't know who else went on to big careers from that group. Um, Ollie Burns would have been there at the same time. Priscilla, you know, he would have been wrestling with us. Uh, that's all I can think of, really. <laughs> Did any matches stand out for you at that through that time frame? Was there any any matches you can remember? Hmm. Uh, not from those early days. Nothing stands out particularly. Um, some matches when I when I started training with Mark. So I did the FWA Academy. Um, again, I was way out. I shouldn't have been wrestling. I wasn't really good enough. But I think Mark saw like a work ethic in me. Uh, even though I wasn't the best wrestler, he knew I was a hard worker. And, he saw something in me and when he closed the academy, he started the Super 8 training and he brought me in then, he picked eight wrestlers that he wanted to train full time and me and Haskins were two of those guys. So we moved in together into a flat and started training with Mark and uh, that's when I started working for John Freeman, so Premier Promotions and Dan in Worthing uh, and, and I sort of really credit John making me the wrestler I am because the, the matches he gave me there were like Danny Boy Collins, Johnny Kidd, Robbie Brookside. James Mason, Doug Williams, Mal Sanders, Steve Griffin—you oh. can name them. It was—it was just the who's who of yeah. British wrestlers, and I was in there as a teenager, just getting schooled by these guys and getting ragged around. But there'd be little bits that I'd pick up each time. And uh, if it wasn't for him, you know, I never would have learned some of the stuff that I know. It was being out of your depth and sink or swim. So those matches really turned out to me. That's cool, man. That's cool. Right, I want to fast forward a bit. More again, how did the contact with WWE begin? Obviously, who, who got in touch with you? 
I went to, it was like a training, a big group training thing we were doing up in Nottingham once. Um, and Drew McDonald was there. And uh, Drew McDonald just said to me that they, they'd heard about me, they'd seen some footage of me, and they were really keen to have a look at me and would I will, will I go along to a tryout. Um, so I filled in a form online, went to a tryout in Manchester. I didn't perform very well, wasn't, wasn't good enough, but I guess they saw something there and they said, come back to London next time and we'll look at you again. And then in London, just sort of went, sort of clicked, you know, it was, uh, it was just sort of tag in, tag out, just wrestle and then what is the intensity. And at the time I was sort of trying to work on that anyway and yeah, just really get clicked and they offered me a contract. Uh, how, how was it with, uh, with Dusty and on forward and a bit more again, how was it? Being, you know, under the learning tree with D- Dusty Rhodes and, and William Regal when you were there, when you were over in the US. Oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. You know, I mean, like I said to you before, I'm a, a pure wrestling fan. So, I mean, yeah, Dusty Rhodes, brilliant promo. And who no one can teach you promos better than, than Dusty Rhodes. And just being around him, you know, whilst he was still alive is something I, I really treasure. I've got, you know, I've only got a couple of pictures of me wrestling in the house, but there is one of me and Pac and Dusty Rhodes in the, in the ring with the tag belts. And that was obviously will always be quite a good memory of mine. Um, I was trained for the first six months by Ricky Steamboat, and that was probably yeah. even, even cooler, really, because you know, obviously I watch a lot of his work with Flair and people, and to be around him. And I, I'm a, normally a, a blue-eye wrestler, and I'm a babyface normally, so there isn't really any better babyface than Ricky Steamboat. So to be have him teach you some of the little tips that he he wanted to pass on to us was, was really cool. Oh, but it was, but it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit surreal, you know. It's surreal. Yeah. You kind of get used to it when you're there, but when you actually think about it, it is surreal. Some of the people that were training us. I mean, The Undertaker came down for a week and trained wow. us. And Triple H would be in training us. And Hulk Hogan was training us for a bit. You know, it's crazy to think, but at the time, you're just in the system. You're just trying to work yeah. to make it onto the road, and you don't, you can't take it for granted almost. But, yeah, it was really good. Who else was, um, who else was in there training with you at the, at the same point? In the early in the early when, days of it, when I first moved, it was FCW, so I was in uh, Tampa. Uh, so Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, um, Bray Wyatt, and all those guys, I guess, that are on top now would have been there. Um, and then in Orlando, you know, me and Braun Strowman were very good friends for a long time. Uh, he would have been there for, at the same time, and yeah, tons of guys. You know, you, the FTI, Scott Dawson was there. You know, all, all these sort of guys were were training with me at the time. Could you cool. yeah, see? Could sorry, I jumped in then, man. C- carry on, but well, it's, it's good to see how well they've done. You know, it's good oh, to see man, how well yeah. everyone's moved on. And... Yeah, yeah, that's man. brilliant. It's a revolving door, in it. Like no sooner has someone gone up to the main roster, you've got the next. You've got the next wave of talent coming through, haven't you? It's, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how, how good everyone is. Crazy. Could yeah. you have seen how well Rollins, Reigns, Bray? Strowman were going yeah. to do back then. Could you tell a mile off? Maybe not Strowman. You know, he was a huge big guy, so you knew that they, he was going to be something. But he wasn't a natural wrestler. You know, he he did work incredibly hard and he picked it up really well. He's done great for himself, but you couldn't see to start with. Whereas people like Seth Rollins, you knew then you knew that they saw something in him because they they wanted to do something with him. Uh, and Roman Reigns just got a presence. It's a bit like. Um, like Triple H Triple H walked into the room you haven't got to see him to know he's there it's like a presence that he gives off I did a access at the Royal Rumble in Arizona and me and uh, Pac were in the in the bleachers somewhere or in the, in the stand 
and you just knew someone was in the in the room and you looked down on the rock and walked out the entranceway but you just sort of has this presence even a whole arena you can just tell there's somebody very special in the in the room and Roman Reigns have been the same and then Bray Wyatt's promos were just yeah you couldn't match them and anyone that can captivate you like that with a promo is going to make some good money He's incredible. I'm, I'm not. I'll tell you what. Just seg- segue into him. I I prefer I prefer the old Bray character as opposed to the, the fiend. I'm not. I, I got I got shot down online last week. A load of Americans. As I, I just prefer I prefer the original Bray, the promos and stuff like that. But yeah, me too. That's why I saw him develop whilst we were there. It was it was just quite cool to see someone develop into that character because when I went there originally he was a completely different character and then he sort of came up with this idea and it just took off it was brilliant you know really good how long was it from training at FCW to to the first match what was the time frame for you over there five days wow I think yeah it was really quick me and Martin Stone went out there and uh, you know we just sort of we had obviously wrestled for a long time in England and they put us in beginners class and they just realised that we we had a bit more of a grasp on it and moved us up into a bit more of an advanced class and then we were put on the sort of live events that weekend. Which I don't think, I think it rubbed people up the wrong way a little bit that were there, but it's dog-eat-dog a bit in that, that place. And, yeah. you know, there was a few people that probably gave us a bit of a cold shoulder and I, I think I got tried to scurf me a bit in the ring and things. But, you know, I've been scurfed by people from... 16 years old you know I mean I'm used to that and I know what to do when it happens so it was okay but... Jealousy's uh, commonplace in all walks of life isn't it that's just yeah know. especially in wrestling you know wrestling is you get quite they deal with it the bad way normally that's cool man you started off I remember obviously I remember quite fondly actually because it was only like 2012 you started off as a singles competitor how, how was that um, doing singles initially for NXT for the WWE. Yeah, it was good. I mean, the matches I was in were just were just I was a jobber, you know. I'd go in there and get squashed by people, and I remember a lot of a lot of uh, Martin or some of the boys would be thinking it was a bad thing, you know, and telling me, "Oh, this is a really bad thing that they see you as this this jobber character." But I didn't see it that way. I just saw it as TV time, you know. Like if they they put me on TV and they put me on with these guys that they're trying to make into stars, and if they think that me being in there that I can sell well enough and I can take their stuff well enough to make them get over that's only a positive you know I just see everything's a positive and if you're on TV that's a good thing the worst thing you could have been at NXT was sitting in the in the back watching on the screen you know you want to be in there having your face on the screen because they might just see something in you and think oh no we're going to use this guy properly did you enjoy doing the matches at full sail obviously it's quite you know so a couple of yeah. people, how, how was the atmosphere, you know, being a wrestler? We, we see it through the TV screen, but how was it from your focal and standpoint? Yeah, well, do you enjoy it? It's just pressure, you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's so much pressure because it is WWE and there is a lot of people watching that, that footage and it's on Sky Sports and stuff at the time. So, yeah, it's a lot of pressure on me. And I think you do enjoy it maybe... Maybe afterwards you enjoy it in a way, but I don't know if you enjoy it when you're in the ring because in your head you just think, I don't want to get this wrong. I want this to look good. I want to, want to do well. And that pressure can be quite hard at times. Then obviously you began tagging with Neville Pack. Who, who came to you to say you were going to be a tag team? How, how was that all set up? So it was, the tournament was meant to have the ascension in the tournament. Uh, so Bram or Kenneth Cameron, I think it was at the time, and uh, uh, Connor. And then 
Bram got released from his contract, so they needed another team. So they just sort of threw us together last minute. But they, they wanted to use to use Neville, you know, they wanted to make him a big star. And we were just throwing together, yeah, last minute thing, putting the tournament and it just clicked, you know, just worked well. I think we complement each other. You know, we're very different styles of wrestlers and that that fitted quite well as a tag team and uh we were meant to go out first round, I think, and things just started changing and before you knew it we we had the belts. So hell hell of a run of matches that as well, wasn't it, that you had? You know, you look oh, yeah. you look at the other guys you're in there with, I remember it was free MB, wasn't it? And uh, mm-hmm. obviously the Wyatts. That's yeah. hell of a hell of a crop of teams in there for you guys to, to go on and win it. You know, it was uh, I bet I bet it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy and and at the time, physically I was in the peak of my fitness and so was was Neville. You know, we were just we were, we were killing it. I and mean, even on the house shows we were the top boys really because our conditioning was was right up there. Um but then obviously I rest in Bray Wyatt on a house show and just tore my ACL and ripped my knee to pieces and that was the end of it, you know, which was a shame because we were, you know, I had yeah. a phone call from the office there saying we're bringing you up to Raw and what size tracks are you and stuff and just sort of think this is well, this is happening now, we're going we're gonna to go up and I was a couple of weeks away and just blew my, blew my knee out and I was out for nine months. But it, it is what it is, you can't change that, you know. I was going to ask how, how long you were actually out for, um, but how, how was rehabilitation of it, Joel? How was that? Yeah, perfect. I mean, there's no better place to do it. They paid for, they flew me off to the best surgeon in America and had the knee done, you know, the most expensive way you could have your knee fixed. And then they rehab me every day for yeah nine months. So my knee's perfect now. You know, I had a bit of a problem with the other knee in Japan last year, but other than that, my knee at all has been, been perfect. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't tear it in any better situation. If I'd done it in England, it'd be a nightmare waiting for the NHS to fix it and then paying for my own rehab. So, you know, in a way, it's the best place to do that. But it was the worst time. You know, I couldn't have picked the worst time to get injured. You, you came back, didn't you, for a short time? How how long how long were you back with them for until up until the release? Yeah, just looking at that time frame. I think we won the tag belts. I've probably been there about seven or eight months. So then it was another nine months. Yeah, I was probably back for another another nine months, maybe after my injury. And then I had a. The first ball sale, they put me back in and I went over one of the French boys quite quite quick and for some reason that footage was never aired and then, I don't know, things just went downhill from there. I hurt my back a little bit doing a, a match and I don't know what happened, but it just sort of tumbled down and they, they ended up releasing me. It's that age-old question that we all ponder, is wrestling fixed? This is Bill Apter and my answer to that is, I didn't know it was broken. So many of you know me from my days back at the classic wrestling magazines, and a lot of you from OneWrestling.com and OneWrestlingVideo.com. But I always get questions about various things I did through the years to propel my career to where it is today as the world's most recognizable journalist in pro wrestling. What was my relationship with the McMahons? Was I the guy who started that feud between the actor, comedian Andy Kaufman and Jerry the King Lawler? What is Ric Flair really like? Who are my favorites? Well, all this and more answered in my book that you can get online or at your favorite book dealer called Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. It's a great read, got great views, and hopefully you'll be picking it up soon too. So the answer to is wrestling fixed 
You know it now. I didn't know it was broken. This is Bill Apter, and I'll see you at the matches. GTG, often imitated, but never duplicated. You can a brawl at the shoulder, narrowed at the hip. No other promotion. Give us any lip. We're the best of the best. The beast of the east. SOS, simply out of sight. GTG. When he said, good times going to so uh, obviously, upon leaving the states, where where were you getting booked when you came back over to the UK, Europe, further afield? Yeah, back, where were your bookings? I came back. Well, I came back and obviously went back to Revolution Pro. Um, did a lot of work for them for a while. Uh, as soon as I got back, Brian Dixon gave me a call and just said, "You know, we'd like to get you into All Star, uh, doing the the Butlins run." And, we discussed the wage, uh, and I'd always, as a kid, because I'd gone to those shows, or so I wrestled on those shows at a young age. I'd always sort of really aspired to work for All Star. That was a big, big thing of mine. I, I really want to work for that company full time. So I went there yeah, six years ago, and I've stayed there for the last six years, and it's just been the, been the best. Like I've said to lots of podcasts, I come back from America, and you kind of think you know it all because you've been trained by these what we perceive as these legends because they were on TV. And I went into All-Star and I just realized I didn't know anything. When I was around Dino and James and Spitfire and Robbie Dynamite, just like, actually, I don't know a thing. And these guys are just incredible wrestlers. So just learning from them and improving my stuff. Everyone says about the British style, don't they? Obviously, I've, I've never wrestled, but you know, from perspective, it's highly, it's highly regarded, isn't it, the British style? Especially oh, abroad, yeah. abroad, especially. Massively, I, I would never have, you know, like I say, Japan or stuff like that. I'd, I'd never be there unless I did the British style. They don't, when I go to Japan, they don't want me to do anything else. They don't want me to go off the top with a moonsault. They, then they'll tell me not to. And I say, this is not, you know, if we want that, we'll get somebody else. If we want a Japanese style, we'll just get a Japanese wrestler. You're here to do a European style. And you know, that's why we're flying you out here, you know, and putting you in the nice hotels because we want you to do this European sort of catch style. And the same in America. You know, I went to America on the back of technical wrestling. It was tag in, tag out, just do technical wrestling in the ring. It wasn't off any flashy moves or crazy gimmicks. It was just, I knew how to wrestle people. And that's why they gave me a contract in America. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of lost a bit in this country. And I think we are getting a bit more, too much into the gymnastics stuff, which is great. You know, I'm not knocking that at all. But oh, no. you, have to, you have to have that fundamental, really good mat wrestling style. And that's what we're, famous for in this country and we, sh- we shouldn't forget about it what would be your tips Joel for guys that want want to start training and get into business what would be your tips you know you're well you're well traveled within the industry so yeah it'd be cool to hear your thoughts what what these kids and young guys and gals want to do if you know what what, what should they do in your mind make connections it's all about connections like any business whether that's wrestling or any anything in life it's about making those connections with people networking um, and becoming their friends. If you're friends with people, they'll look after you and they'll look out for you and they'll get you work. And just getting on shows, and especially in this country, whilst we've still got the, I mean, obviously not this year because of coronavirus, but when the holiday camp circuit is there, you have to get on those holiday camps. You, you really can't not get on them because they, you know, in North Wales, you do 10 shows a week. You do six weeks, of 10 shows, 60 shows in six weeks. You have to improve. The only way to improve in wrestling is to, is to do it, is repetitions. It's like the gym, you know, you can't go in the gym for a day and then come out of a good body. It takes years and years and years of the same thing, practicing the same thing. It's the same thing with wrestling. It's just doing it again and again and again instead of second nature. So you can't replicate that, but you just need to get on, on the shows, 
That's cool, man. That's cool. When I was doing my research, I didn't realise you'd been you'd been to all Japan. You've been you've been out in Japan, man. How 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 was that? The culture, you know, wrestling the guys over there, just to maybe extend on on the Japanese experiences you've had. Yeah, so that was like well, last year I started working from last April. Did five tours last year. Um, it's the best, you know. I couldn't imagine anywhere better to wrestle. I'd happily just wrestle there for the rest of my career. I wouldn't worry about going back to America or anything. It's just absolutely brilliant. It's my style, you know. You you, you can't talk much for the match because I don't speak English a lot of them. So it's just get in there and, and just go for it, just wrestle each other, and that's just perfect for me. There's not an emphasis on the characters or the the promos, which I'm terrible at. So it's good to be able to just do what I can do, which is just to wrestle people and. It's an amazing country, the culture, the food, the, the people, they're so helpful. And they're so so good to you when you're there. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Who have you, who have you got in, in there with and who have you enjoyed getting in there with? That was going to be my next one. I like wrestling some of the younger guys. There's a guy called Namora. Um, we click really well. He's got a good rugby background. and I've played rugby a long, long time. So, I mean, the two of us just mix. You know, we, we really, really fit together. Um, Goku Ayagi, he's another young boy who he'll be a big name. He's a very, very good wrestler. Uh, then Miyahara, who was the champion up until recently. Again, we we get good stuff in the ring when we get in there. Um, Suwama, uh, a good match with Suwama. Um, a lot of these guys, a lot of these Japanese guys have got amateur wrestling backgrounds, so they all come from amateur wrestling anyway. So they know how to how to wrestle. So I just find it really easy to work with them. You know, they just know how to move properly and. It's, it's, very, very easy. And they're just such hard workers. The, the cardio on those guys is insane. You know, they can they blow you up straight away, but it's you've got someone in there. You've not got to worry about them keeping up with you. It's more the other way around. So, yeah, it's really good. It's a totally different crowd over there, isn't it? They're the, the more, yeah, more observant, aren't they? They're not as like, you know, you come to the UK, we're like a pack of rabid animals, aren't we? But I've, I've always noticed with the Japanese crowd, the very their attention's on it. It's, it's totally different, I'm sure, for you wrestling in front of them it's, guys. Yeah, it's good, you know. Like it's uh, like a Japanese crowd still view the wrestlers as these superstars, right? And it's not really a lot of interaction between the fans and the wrestlers. You know, you, you can go out and sell your merchandise at the table, but it's, you know, say you lose the match in all Japan, they won't let you sell your merchandise. You can't go out until after you've wrestled, and there isn't this sort of like in this country. I almost feel like the lines being blurred a little bit. It's, that's not always a bad thing, but. There has to be some kind of mystery and some kind of mystique behind stuff, you know. And, and I think that in Japan, the audience and the wrestlers, they, they don't mix like they do in this country. Um, but, you know, obviously outside of the ring, you can all be friends. But when you're wrestling, there needs to be that divide, you know. The, the internet as well, though, on it. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. The I internet, man. I think like, online reviews are great. You know, wrestling fan yeah. reviews is great, obviously. It's a big, a big help for us. Our business, but sometimes I think promoters never wrestlers take it a bit too too literally, and they really get worked up over bad reviews from people. But I'm not knocking the guys that review it; no, they can no. do whatever they want. But a lot of the times, they haven't actually been in a wrestling ring. You know, they haven't wrestled; they don't know what it's like to wrestle. So it's very difficult to to judge it from a technical standpoint. You can say if you enjoy something, obviously, I can work and watch a film and say I didn't like that film. But if I start trying to critique all the acting, well, I'm not a Hollywood actor. So, like, how do I know what it's like to do these acting, you know? That's cool, man. That's cool. Do you get, I suppose the next one I'm going to ask is, I ask this to all the guys, 
uh, different answers actually. Do, do you catch much of a current product on television now and on on the internet, or do you kind of veer away from veer away from what yeah. you're immersed in it yourself? I do watch some WWE stuff. I get a bit put off by it sometimes, like that eye for an eye match and stuff. It's, it's not for me. It's just getting a bit silly. You know, I did watch the Swamp match with Bray Wyatt and Strowman. And I try watching it. I put it on, and my fiance walked in. She went, "What is this rubbish you're watching?" You know. And, but it, and I think it is a little bit. You know, it's not for me. I'm not. I know they've got to do something. I know it's a hard time and the pandemic and everything. But there's sort of like insulting intelligence a little bit at times, which I think they were doing in that match. I watch AEW, I do watch a lot of that, because it's on ITV, so it's perfect. I just watch it in the morning on a Saturday. Um, it's, you know, it's things there that maybe I don't particularly enjoy, but there's some really good stuff there too, some great wrestling. What's your, what's your thoughts on, obviously, they really, they really push the tag division. I know they've got, you know, they've got to showcase everyone and they do it a bit different, don't they, production-wise. What are your feelings with the tag division there in AEW, Joel? I, just, I think FTR are a different level. I just think they're... I think unbelievable. They had that match with um, SCU recently on Dynamite. It was an absolutely unbelievable match. You know, it was so, so good. So I just, I, I almost watched the shows just to watch their match. You know, if I know they're going to be on, I'm so in, intrigued to see what they're going to do with people. Uh, there's some tag matches there that I watch that I don't like, you know. They're doing a bit too much, I think, sometimes. and It's a bit silly, some of the moves they're doing. But I just, I think their FTR is absolutely un, un, unbelievable tag team. They just got. They really understand how to do the job properly. They're a joy to watch. I think. Mean. So much back and forth as well with them leaving WWE, wasn't there? I I thought, oh, it's just a storyline, but it, it mm. went it went and happened, didn't it? They they jumped they jumped ship. They obviously weren't happy. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's perfect, right? If I, they did. They did. They just want to be the best, I think. And if they if they can get more opportunities in a different company, they're going to go there. I don't, you know. They just want to show people what tag wrestling should be. That's, that's it, man. That's it. What about in a, in a singles capacity then on AEW? Any guys that stand out for you there you enjoy? Uh, I think NJF's good. You know, I like he's a good villain. Um, Adam Page, good wrestler. I enjoy watching Wait, his stuff. And I wanted you to say that. <laughs> yeah, I think he's real good. Uh, obviously, Pac, you know, like Pac's a league of his own, so... When he is on those shows, obviously he's not been on for a while, but when he is on those shows, he's just always a standout match to me. He's just a, he's a different league to everybody else. I'm with so, you. Yeah, People like Jericho, Chris Jericho, you know, still obviously puts a good match together. So from a wrestling standpoint, you can watch that and, and learn a lot from how he's putting his matches together. That's always pretty good. I think two hours is the perfect time frame, you know. That, that, yeah, yeah. That yeah. two-hour slot is enough. Um, it, raw... Yeah. I mean, Raw's been going three hours for, for eight years now, hasn't it? But I think they've got the perfect amount yeah. of time there to showcase everyone. 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's too much longer, at least get boring. It's just perfect. Just and we when, haven't always got three hours of our time to give up to watch wrestling, you know? Like, two hours is just about right. I was going to ask, um, the, obviously the world's, world's is oyster in terms of MJF. Could you, see, could you see him in WWE in years to come? Oh, so I think maybe AEW is going to keep getting stronger once the crowds come back. And uh, I don't know. I don't know his relationship with the guys there. I mean, maybe he's he might be very loyal to that company and just want to see them do well. I think uh, hopefully they're going to be really successful because you know if we look back at sort of ninety seven, ninety eight, and how good the wrestling was back then, when you had the 
sort of Monday Night Wars, it'd be great to get it back to that sort of level. You know, I think WWE is better when they've got competition. So let's hope that AEW can get even stronger and give them some real competition and make them, make them set their game up a little bit. I was going to ask you, uh, what do you just to go back, I'm going back over WWE, like I should have kept it in the same compartment, but what, what are your thoughts on Alistair Black and how he's been booked recently? I've not seen a lot. I've not seen a lot of his stuff. I must have missed a lot of that stuff. I know him from the independents. So he's a yeah, a real nice guy and a good wrestler. But I've not. I've not seen a lot of his stuff. Oh, okay. Honest. That's I, all right. I never. I don't. I don't. I only watch pay per views, and I, only sometimes I watch pay per views. I, you know, I like what Drew's been doing. That's obviously really good for us as European wrestlers to see him being so successful. That's a, a real nice thing. I just wish that there'd been a crowd there at WrestleMania. Because you know, it's just a shame we had to win the belt with no audience there, but. One of those things. How about women's wrestling, Joel? How how how, how do you find the women and, and what they're doing? Obviously, that you know they're yeah. on a pedestal, on a higher pedestal these days, and and rightly so. What what are your thoughts with the rosters in AEW and WWE as it pertains to women? Yeah, I, I don't pay a lot of, a lot of attention to the women's wrestling. To be honest, I still I do watch wrestling to try and learn stuff from it to try and to steal something that they're doing. Um, and I just I don't know. I don't really. I never, I never pay much attention to women's wrestling. Though. Not that I dislike it. I just, I've just never been very invested in it. But it's obviously really good that they're giving them uh, good opportunities and giving them a good platform to, to wrestle. It's excellent. Just obviously pre-COVID, I'm just going to go back to you now. Pre-COVID, did you have a lot of bookings? I did 52 matches pre-COVID. Um, and that was all in England, so I didn't. Didn't get out to Japan in those months, but that yeah, two and a half, two and a half months and fifty-two matches. But then you know I wrestled for All Star, and uh, I don't wrestle too much on the internet. I probably did like two matches because most of the shows I do never get any kind of internet publicity. But you know I'm, I'm always busy really wrestling. I did quite a lot, and I when I work, you know, I have a real job too, so I have to balance both together. How how is your day to day job at the moment with all the all the constraints and restrictions and things like that? And how are you finding it? Yeah, well, the gym's starting to reopen now. Um, so mine is next week, so I'll get back into back into the gym, back into some training, with some people. Should be really good. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been a challenging time for us all. But there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do about it. So there's no point in complaining. Just got to get on with it and hope it gets back to normal. They're still waiting, just in regards to gyms. Wales is still, still not yeah, looking. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of disgruntled. There's a lot of disgruntled people locally. I know a few lads. They're going absolutely nuts about it. But yeah, I bet they are. What, what can you do? Yeah, there's nothing you can do. No, there's no point in complaining. You can't change it. It's just got to get on with it. You know, I was doing a lot of workouts in the shed here, and it's difficult, especially when you've not got any shows. When you've got wrestling shows, you've got something to train for. You just think, oh, okay, I've got this big match coming up in two weeks' time. I'm gonna train really hard and get in good shape for this. But without any shows, like, Jesus, what, what am I, what am I doing this for? Cause I don't, I don't take my top off in public. I don't, I don't do it to, you know, to pick up girls or anything. I've always just, I've done the gym because of wrestling, because I want to be a good wrestler. It's the only reason I go to the gym. So like to not have any shows is quite challenging to get motivated. But then I also think, well, in my opinion, I, I spoke to Haskins the other day about this. Give me two seconds. It's all right, mate. It's okay. You've got, a, you've got this sort of like, this time, this gap for the lockdown. And I think a lot of wrestlers are going to slack off from training. They're not going to bother training and they're going to sort of get behind. So this is my time to jump over them. You know, if you've got this 
four months where no one's going to the gym, they're not training. Well, if I can still train for four months, I can sort of jump a few people and make some really big improvements. There was a time in uh, NXT where we used to train at John Cena's gym and then the, the trainer there had a falling out of the office and they stopped training at Hard Knock South and they stopped training there. And there was like three months where we didn't have a gym to go to. We had our own like, LA fitness and stuff that we go and train at, but it wasn't a strength gym. And in that time, there was a lot of people that got out of shape. They just didn't bother. When they weren't told, told to go, they just didn't bother. And I still went to the, the gym regularly. And that sort of helped me get an advantage on a lot of people during that three months. Why, why do people have that mindset when they've got a, you know, a role there? What, yeah, yeah. Why, why don't they do it in your, in, in your opinion? Just laziness. I started training at 16 in the gym. It's, it's what I do. I can't. I do it also just to feel good. It's, it's just my routine. It's what I've always done. So I couldn't imagine not training. But I guess some of them just never really bothered training until they got there and felt they were forced into doing these weight training sessions. So for them, it was like a nice little break. But I don't, I don't want to break. You know, I want to keep training. I'm going to close out now. I've got like a question personal, like personable to you. Favorite favorite matches if you've got any just to, just to close out mm. of mine or of what I've seen so, yeah yours and then ones that you saw when you were younger that you know really captivated you of mine would be against that Nomura in all Japan last year in Champions Carnival um, and then matches that I've seen. WWE-wise, I think that would be some of the Benoit, oh, Benoit Kangle at the Royal Rumble. That would be the one probably that I really remember being my favourite when I was younger. Uh, it was an amazing match. And then now, I watch a lot of British stuff. I, I watch old British wrestling. That's my thing. You know, I really enjoy that. So anything with Steve Wright in it, um, I'm a big Steve Wright fan. Or Steve Gray as well. I watch a lot of Steve Gray. John Cortez. A lot of these old sort of British wrestlers that I really enjoy watching. So I guess that, I guess that, but yeah, it's all American wise. It'd be uh, Angle and Benoit from the Rumble. That's a match that really stands out to me. That's cool. I was watching um, off WrestleMania 2000 about a month ago. Now it was the freeway Angle, Jericho, and Benoit. Oh yeah, the, the two belts. European and the IC. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched it for years. So I was like, I'm going to put. It. I loved it. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good. Very good. Very well done. Right, Joel Redmond. Please plug your social media. For the listeners and yep. viewers, please, just, just to close out. Twitter is at Joel Redman Pro, uh, and Instagram is j.redman87. Uh, I'm probably the worst person you'll ever find on social media, so don't expect anything interesting. It's just absolutely dreadful. Uh, I need to get better at it. I really need to, but I really struggle with a lot of the pictures and feeling what I do in the daytime. I kind of think that's my own life, but that is, you know, that is my, my stuff to follow if you want to, but I'm going to apologise now to anyone that does and it's not very interesting. Joel Redmond, and you would have known him as Oliver Gray in NXT. Thank you very much. Cheers, man, for coming on. Really appreciate no your time. You. I know, you, I know you you're busy. I know you're busy doing stuff. So anytime you you can spare, just great, great for us and uh, the fans. So cheers, man. Thank you very much. Cheers. Today's episode is brought to you in association with Powered 4 TV. So go and check them out for anything wrestling related, old events, new events when we come out of COVID. 
podcast, you name it, it's all there at Powered Forward TV. So find them across social media. And a big, big thank you to Richard and John for looking after me too. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.